electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, my conversation with Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of Martin Luther King Jr. Community Hospital in Los Angeles, one of the hardest-hit healthcare systems in the whole U.S. during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Batchelor joined me at CNBC's Healthy Return Summit on May 11, 2021, to talk about the roots of health inequity in L.A. and across the country, her hospital's push for preventive care, and taking new approaches to medicine, sometimes with a little help from Steve Ballmer. Here's our conversation. I want to give the uh, audience some facts about your hospital, which is a very interesting story, and we'll get to the story of the hospital in a bit. But let's start with COVID, and some of the numbers are really something. Your hospital is about 131 beds, and yet you treated three to four times, more, more than patients who had COVID, than hospitals three to four times as large as your own. Highest percentage of hospitalized COVID patients of any Los Angeles hospital. Average 66 percent, two out of every three patients at the peak were COVID uh, victims. Ninety nine percent of those patients were people of color and only four percent of them have private insurance. I was going to begin by asking you in terms of health care equality, uh, uh, what you have learned from COVID. But I found in my notes what I think you did learn when you say the COVID crisis was in many ways the chickens of structural racism coming home to roost. Explain that. So as you noted, our community and our hospital was disproportionately impacted by COVID during the pandemic. We had many more people in our community um, get sick with COVID, get hospitalized, die from COVID. And there are a number of reasons for that. Some of them are um, obvious, and some of them are less obvious if, unless you're a student of low-income communities. So the obvious reasons, we're a low-income community. Many of our essential workers live in communities like ours. These are the people who had to continue working through the pandemic. They are the people who are driving the buses, stocking the grocery stores, preparing food, cleaning up after the rest of us, and continuing to be exposed to covid on the job. They could not afford to stop working and shelter in place. We also know that Los Angeles has very high housing costs and many of our residents live in multi-generational households where it was very difficult for them to isolate. If one member of the family got sick, other members of the family got sick. And then lastly, we also have a community that does not have equal access to health care. So we have a community where chronic illness is epidemic. Uh, for example, diabetes is three times more common in our community than in the rest of Los Angeles. And we know that COVID preyed on people with chronic illnesses. So all of those factors combined 
to make South Los Angeles the epicenter of the epicenter of COVID. You have uh, also pointed uh, to back into history to a time in Los Angeles uh, where there were residential or housing covenants that kept uh, people of color, black people most particularly, out of some of the more affluent uh, neighborhoods. Uh, and that resulted in a concentration of those communities in uh, places like South L.A., uh, un unincorporated parts of Los Angeles County, Compton and so forth. How much does the history of housing and and of discrimination therein play in the inequality of health care today? So it's really critical for people to understand the roots of the structures that are supporting and maintaining health disparities today. So mid-century housing covenants and redlining prevented people of color from living in most of Los Angeles County. Um, many people of color ended up living in unincorporated areas like South Los Angeles, but that's not where the jobs were. That's not where there was transportation. Um, these communities lacked all of the social determinants of health, including access to health care. If you go back about 60 years to the Watts riots, that was a period when the community rose up to protest against the marginalization and the lack of social amenities in South L.A. Um, in some ways, it was the first movement um, to support Black Lives Matter. As a result of the Watts riots, the governor of California did a, an investigation of the root causes, and a report was written called the McCone Commission Report, and it detailed the inequities and the lack of housing, transportation, health care, etc., and the over-policing in South Los Angeles. A lot of recommendations were made in that report to address these systemic problems. Most of them were not addressed. But the one thing that was addressed was a lack of access to health care, with at least a public hospital being opened in 1972. Unfortunately, over time, the management of the hospital was challenged to maintain quality and safety. And in 2007, that hospital was forced to close. Again, this community was le left without access to health care. And mm -hmm. that's when a group of very committed, dedicated people came into the picture and started a new hospital, my hospital, Martin Luther King Jr. Community Hospital. We used innovative methods to make this hospital a state-of-the-art, high-tech facility. And today we're bringing health care to the community of South Los Angeles. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I want to go to another point as we trace back uh, and, and get an explanation of why there is this deficit of access to health care in poor areas of Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and elsewhere. You say what people don't understand is that structural racism permeates every aspect of our health care system and that it starts with disparities in payment, the ways doctors and hospitals are paid, the private insurance, Medicare, and then Medicaid, which means that in those lower income, economically distressed communities, Delivering health care is not, in many cases, uh, a, a, a remunerative or even a possible business proposition, right? That's correct. So if you look at a community like South Los Angeles, it's a low-income community. Most of our residents are covered by public insurance. In our community, that's Medicaid, also called Medi-Cal in California. Medicaid in California is the second lowest paying program in the nation. Um, so to give you an example of what those disparities look like, an average emergency department visit in Los Angeles would pay about $2,000 from commercial insurance, about $650 from Medicare, and $150 from Medicaid. So as you look at these disparities in payment, they drive disparities in access to care. Um, physicians cannot afford to establish medical practices in a community with such low payment rates. As a result, in South LA, we have a huge deficit of physicians. We have one-tenth the number of physicians of the average community, and we have the lowest number of hospital beds of any community in Los Angeles County. And that's directly related to these disparities in payment. And you have, uh, as I understand it, if you think this through, because you have such a low penetration of physicians, something you have tried to address by establishing your own medical practices with the help of philanthropy, and particularly uh, Steve Ballmer, uh, the owner of the L.A. Clippers and of uh, Microsoft fame, you've started getting in there and establishing uh, practices in this community. And the payoff is that if you can do preventive care, you don't end up having to do critical or end-stage care. And when I read one thing, that one of your most common practices, procedures, is amputations because of diabetes. If you can get those patients treated earlier by doctors in the community, you can avoid those kinds of, uh, of services in many cases. That's absolutely correct. So our healthcare system really needs an overhaul. It's very expensive and we don't get the best results. So we have the highest costs per capita of any developed country and our standard health measures, things like mortality rates, life expectancy, are among the lowest in the developed world. And part of that is because of the disparities within our system. We know that in communities like ours, we have a hospital that provides critical care care to people when they're in a crisis. 
but we don't adequately fund prevention and disease management in the community. So what I like to say is that we will receive adequate reimbursement as a hospital to um, amputate a, a diabetic limb, but we don't receive adequate reimbursement in the outpatient setting to provide prevention and disease management. And we all know that prevention is more cost-effective and more humane. As a hospital, we don't want to stand mm -hmm. at the end of the line only treating people when they are at end stage and ready to have their limbs amputated. We want to go upstream right. and provide the prevention and disease management that will keep them healthy. Let me ask you, oh, I want to get to three quick questions, and I'm going to ask for quick answers as we're sort of running a little bit low on time. Unlike your predecessor hospital, with, which failed because of uh, management issues and, and the uh, um, uneconomic uh, nature of it, is your hospital and are your practices financially stable? You have an interesting public uh, and philanthropic partnership. Is yours financially stable enough to, to make a go of it? Well, we've been very um, successful and innovative in public-private partnership. And private partnerships with private philanthropies like Steve Ballmer has allowed us to pilot new approaches to delivering care, like our nonprofit multi-specialty medical group. As a result of the philanthropic support we've received, we've been able to recruit high-quality physicians from the best medical centers across the country. Um, it allowed us to get these practices and these um, groups started, but it's not sustainable long-term unless we have changes in public policy that address those disparities in payment and reverse those disparities. Here's an interesting question uh, from one of our audience members, and I, and I just saw it. For years, I've been appealing to healthcare philanthropists to stop putting their names on large buildings and wasting their donation dollars. It makes much more, more sense to tell them to invest, donate in health clinics, in strip malls, so that they can offer accessible and inexpensive services to people who need them. What's your reaction? Um, I think that's a great idea, and we are actually doing those things. So we started our medical group with its first mm -hmm. location in a strip mall. We now have um, two locations in, in strip malls. They're convenient, easy for people to get to, and it's really important, as I mentioned, to, to invest in prevention and disease management. So I think your, mm -hmm. um, your, your questioner has it exactly right. Let me, let me go to one final question, and it is this. It seems to me that we have not one epidemic in the United States right now in healthcare, but four. There is the epidemic of COVID on the one hand. There is the epidemic of opioid overdose on the other hand. There is suicide and mental health, which is in epidemic. And there is obesity, which is in epidemic and leads to other things. Three out of four, and arguably four out of four of those epidemics uh, are overrepresented in uh, poorer populations in black and Latino communities. How do we get at that? Is it a question of, of trying to prevent? How do we solve it? So we, we solve it by changing our policies in the direction of providing higher reimbursement for Medicaid um, so that the Medicaid reimbursement is, is at least as close to Medicare as possible. We need to invest in infrastructure and doctors and other providers in low-income communities. 
And we need to put more of our resources into prevention and disease management. The COVID epidemic has really shown us how connected we all are. And it's shown us that we can't isolate our vulnerable communities. Their health impacts all of mm -hmm. us. So we need to make these investments and address these, these disparities. That was Dr. Elaine Batchelor. She joined me at CNBC's Healthy Returns Summit on May 11, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 